out beyond ideas of wrongdoing and rightdoing, there is a field. I'll meet you there. When the soul lies down in that grass, the world is too full to talk about. Ideas, language, even the phrase each other doesn't make sense. Hi everyone. I've been wanting to have Carl on Meet Me in the Field since I started the podcast. I am very happy to have him as a guest and have to say it's about bloody time. I met Carl about 10 years ago and wanted to ask him to be our guest, but I always felt he might be too busy and I just never plucked up the courage to ask him. As it turns out, Carl is indeed incredibly busy, but happily, or so it seemed, agreed to chat to us. I just need to categorically state, before you even listen to this episode, that neither of us was in our pajamas when this episode was recorded. <laughs> this podcast is supported by the first layer, the 12-step workbook on working through the 12 steps in any addiction in 21 sessions. There's also a 24-day step coaching and counseling program available based on the first layer. For more information in this regard, go to www.freddy.org.za and click through from the notices at the right of the homepage. Please also look out for information on my new book, Life Anon, a 12-step guide to life for non-addicts. You can find it by following the link from the right of my homepage. It costs 300 rand without postage. Order from me in my shop, which is www.freddyshop.co.za. This is Carl's story. Sit back, relax and enjoy. Don't use use visuals so nobody can see us in our pajamas. During during this hectic COVID nineteen time, wait before I go there, let's introduce you first. Carl, good afternoon. It is Friday afternoon at three o'clock, and I'm incredibly grateful that you're taking time out of your. What did you call it? You don't work from home. Your work is your home. Is that what you said? No, no. I said sure. like you know, the people have this expression of uh, working remotely or um, working from home or something like that. But the actual essence is is that today we living at work. That with is the COVID true. Lockdown. Yes. So thank you for taking time out from living at work to, to have a chat with with me and my listeners, and um, really, really grateful. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure. So. I now jokingly said kind of oh, people can't see that you're in your pajamas, but how are you dealing with this, with this COVID thing? Are you one of those people who actually get up the same time in the morning and have a shower and shave and get dressed? And are you quite, quite routine orientated or how do you, how do you function during this weird, weirdest of weird times? Mm. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> he says so it's gonna take it's it's gonna take me it, it, it won't take me that long to reflect on it because um it's incredibly busy um so i can say since the lockdown period i've literally been getting up at about opposite seven every morning approximations starting meetings at eight o'clock uh, finishing meetings at five o'clock literally spend some time with the family between five and seven uh, and then seven to ten, it's again studies, oh and uh, with the e, with the EMBA studies, it's been like that every almost every week. Yeah, yeah. may I go very personal, very quickly? But yeah, sure. Calm. What the fuck went through your head when you decided to do an MBA? <laughs> <laughs> 
why are you doing this to yourself? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, no. I'm asking myself that same question all the time now. <laughs> and does the answer change every time or is there just no answer forthcoming? <laughs> no, look, look, um, my sort of career development uh, journey has, has, um, has really followed quite a naturalistic evolutionary type of process. Let me call it that. Okay. And over the last two or three years before I decided to take on the EMBA, there was uh, like, I, I started heading up a unit. Um, I was never really interested in climbing corporate ladders. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a specialist already. And okay. um, working with a coach, I actually, through that sort of process, started interrogating what my sort of options and what would be the best thing. Oh, cool. And um, there was a part of me that was wanting to do the PhD research. Uh, And then there was a part of me wanting to be uh, a free entrepreneur that was doing his own thing. And uh, I think my my world vacillated more towards the latter. And I I think after chatting to my sort of um, my my boss at that time, she suggested go and do the executive MBA because that will set the foundation basically. And I'm I'm not sorry. (laughs) Are you sure? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Who are you trying to convince? <laughs> oh, no, man, <laughs> I, I always say to people, hey, I'm a counselor. I don't read the lines. I read between the lines. So <laughs> oh, I, no. I, I, I don't hear what you're saying. I hear what you're not saying. So how long, how long is this EMBA and how far are you in the, in, on the journey? Um, just finished my first module, uh, basically coming in the next two weeks, three weeks, uh, to finishing off the, the second module okay. and we'll be starting the third module, um, uh, in October, um, okay. second week of October. Yeah. But I mean, like it's, it's been, uh, it's been crazy. Look, I, I say it, it is almost like, a a double-edged type of sword thing. It's incredibly intense. They don't call it the divorce course for nothing. Absolutely. I'm, I'm yeah. I've experienced the, the the challenges around that mm-hmm. about just spending time with my partner. Um, but the learning, um, I can't explain how it's changed my thinking. And oh, it's, really? it's so, not so, even so soon. So so, so soon. You know. Oh wow, that's amazing. Definitely, definitely. So that's been, um, and, and look, it feels like I'm learning all the time. Um, I feel like I'm in a, a, a sort of puzzle and I'm busy putting pieces together. Oh, cool. And like, like, you know, it's like, that, oh, that fits together. Yeah. Oh, that makes sense. Awesome. And that's what's happening because I'm getting to apply all the learning straight into my work. Fantastic. So you literally yeah. got a completed research paper of, let's say, 100 to 160 pages for mm. every module oh that's God. excluding group mm. projects individual projects oh um it's a lot of work it's yeah. a lot of work oh my word rather you than <laughs> me thank you very much when i when i got to know you about 10 years ago you were busy with your masters at that stage am i correct that's correct uh, and what do you, yeah. you you did your masters in what industrial psychology that's correct uh, oh cool wow i can uh, remember that yeah. So that was in, I think, 2011, 2012, when yeah. I finished it off. 
Yeah, so I'm a registered industrial psychologist by profession. Awesome. Um, so that's my sort of, um, that's what I do for my career. Um, I develop and design assessment centers and uh, design the Alan Gray Orbis's um, sort of assessment framework and strategies. And like, so it's, it's pretty meaningful work because I get to yeah. work with the future talent as well. I get to Fantastic. select the future high impact entrepreneurs of the country. Mm. So well, that's a responsibility. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I love how you ask your questions. <laughs> Thank you very much. I'm good, aren't yeah. I? <laughs> yeah, no. And something else that, that, that I can remember from when I met you was that you were, you were dating or engaged to a, to a Muslim girl. And it, it only dawned on me this morning that you, you aren't Muslim, are you? No. Cool. Well, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't um, raised um, in the Muslim sort of religion or okay. under that sort of uh, culture. No. Were you raised in some form of religious culture or, or spiritual culture or, or, or what, what would you call it? Um. Yeah, I would say that I was raised um, in, in, in quite a charismatic, uh, very confusing type of Christian home. Because okay. um, on the one hand, I had my dad and my mom who were um, um, Catholic. Okay. Um, so they kind of pushed me into that sort of direction. And I went to Sunday school, got confirmed went to church like a good boy on every Sunday. Mm -hmm. And then I had my granny. My parents were incredibly dysfunctional, although that was the, the good side, I suppose. <laughs> um, my granny was a very charismatic reborn Christian. Okay. Um, and um, I suppose the love and the sort of concept of God evolved out of all of those uh, different flavors okay. of Christianity. You awesome. know, I could explain yeah. it like that. Yeah. And did any of that stick with you? Yeah. Um, I would say that um, I still call my higher power today God, and I'm awesome. very comfortable calling my higher power God. Cool. I just kind of see it as the good orderly direction, you know, um, cool. which the, the rooms kind of uh, presented it to me as. But definitely still uh, believe in the concept of higher power. Um, whether I follow any sort of types of religious practices, um, still not up until today. Okay. I have tried. I have tried various sort of forms of religious practice okay. um, throughout the years that I've been in recovery. And that's been quite a journey as well, actually. So coming into the recovery sort of context, I think I was agnostic. I'd probably consider myself still agnostic now today, but through working the steps and kind of developing this concept of higher power, always felt that there was something missing. And I would say that in my early days, I 
was very anti the sort of religious practice that I was okay. introduced to as a kid. Um, and so there was a, a, a very deep sort of innate desire within me to, to go to go want to explore what works for me. Okay. And um, I think I tried, asked, I read up on Mormonism or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my old sponsors was into that once. I um, read up on Buddhism. Okay. I, um, I, I think the closest thing that resonated with me at that time in the early years in my recovery, something that I nearly hung on to was a religion called Baha'i. Ah, uh, that is the one that popped into my head. <laughs> mm. Awesome. Wow. Yeah, no, I know. I had a couple of friends who, uh, who were Baha'is. Okay. And uh, the reason why I decided to venture into that one was because I, I was literally just fell in love and I was in awe of, of all of their characters. Yeah. And I, I, I had to sort of associate that to their sort of religious practice. Oh. And so there, there was a part of me that wanted a little bit of that. And yes. I actually uh, practiced for about a year or two. Okay. And then I met my ex-wife who was Muslim. And she was actually okay with me doing what I was doing. Okay. But then we got quite serious after a couple of years, and then we got married. Um, and uh, part of her father's um, sort of uh, boundary with me getting married to her was that I had to get married in the Islamic faith. Okay. So that is, there was a bit of a, a crossroads there. Uh, I, I, I wasn't, because I still considered myself quite agnostic at that time, and someone who was still busy exploring, I literally um, went to go and explore the Islamic faith. Okay. So I, I went to classes. I uh, engaged with some of it. I engaged with some of my Muslim family, my Muslim friends. And they became, they became like spiritual mentors, guides for me. Okay. Took me to mosque for my first time. And then I actually started going to mosque on some, like I, I didn't understand the practices, but when I was making dua and whatever, I'd literally in my head just say a prayer to my okay. God and still felt spiritual okay. in some way. And so I can't say that I necessarily agreed with all of these sort of views and um, practices so so that's what made it confusing yeah as because a part of me um was not okay with some of the dogmatic sort of practices or the rituals or whatever um and so i still kept my personal relationship with the power greater than myself very personal i i engaged in some of the practices but in the practices, um, didn't know any Arabic, wasn't taught those things, uh, was prepared to kind of still maybe go and learn. Okay. I can't say that my heart was totally there, Freddie. Yeah. Um, and after we got divorced, I kind of literally just stopped and went back to, to my power, you yeah. know, to the, the one that I love and understand and... Um, and which is just nature today. Yeah. Uh, so we mm. so we pray to the same God. 
<laughs> yeah, I have heard some of your shares. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Auntie, Auntie Natura. Yeah. <laughs> who, Natura, yeah, that's so, it. Who so looks after us? <laughs> yeah, for sure. No, so, for sure. So that's quite an interesting path that you've walked, and and what I hear is that as if you you, you really struggled with commitment nothing really resonated with you so strongly that you, that you felt you could commit. What you could commit to was, was the, the belief system that supported you for a long time in your life. And with that, you, you ended up being completely okay. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Um, I, I, I'm okay the way things yeah. are now. I'd, like, I sometimes do feel that I'm missing out on a type of fellowship that religious groups have, a okay. community. Uh, um, but like I say, sometimes I get that sense and I get that need fulfilled, like in a 12-step group or yeah. a sort of social gathering that I do. So I can still get that fellowshipping type of community. And I do have a close knit of 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 a very small few friends um, that I'm that tight with. So... Um, there's not a strong desire to say like, okay, I'm losing out on a lot, but I do sometimes sense that having a community with a common purpose mm. in that sense does have the ability to strengthen one's religious, you know, yeah. um, uh, views, um, feelings, um, like that sense you feel when you're in a recovery 12 step room, mm. um, and I think if there was a common purpose of a higher power or spirituality, um, and that's why I think some of these groups that are out there that help people, the uh, meditation, art for living, um, all of those sort of, uh, uh, what's it, mankind project. Yeah. Um, that's why I think those things are, they, they definitely serve a purpose and have yes. a place in this universe. You yes. know? Very, very much so. So, what made you decide to go into industrial psychology? Yeah, like I told you, I'll tell you, uh, there was a, a naturalistic type of evolution that happened with my career. I started off doing a business administration type of degree, which is a glorified secretary diploma that I started off with. I then kind of changed the following year into HR, and then I got that HR sort of background. Okay. I was heavily involved in drugs at that time. So I passed and everything, did a bit of an internship, uh, went to go and work at a pharmaceutical company for a short while, but wasn't ready for the working drug Another, another part of me decided, hey, let me go and study again. I always wanted to experience university. Okay. So I was at a Technicon initially. And then I thought, like, let me see if I can get into UCT. And so I, I applied. I got in. I could go and do a, a Bachelor of Social Science and um, sort of, uh, uh, I think my focus was psychology and org psych. Okay. And then I started it off there. I loved the psychology. Um, but a part of me was also very driven by the the HR org psych sort okay. of space. And I felt like that was my sort of way to get into the corporate sort of space. 
However, I've never really landed up in the totally corporate environment because like, I don't think my personality would like that type of environment. I, I like meaningful, um, purposeful driven type of work, yeah. uh, which is going to impact um, people, society. Mm. I like um, the environment where people are passionate about what they do um, and have some level of integrity uh, in what they do. (laughs) I love that. Some. (laughs) They creep through. They creep through. (laughs) And... um, and uh, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what happened to me because there was, uh, there was a couple of spiritual moments that actually happened throughout that. Um, while I was at UCT, I found recovery. Part of me went to go and work at Shawco and I got into social development and developed two high-performance tutoring schools where I yes. bust in disadvantaged kids to UCT and Fantastic. groomed them for university. Wow. And then, and then from there, I was... Yeah, no, I'd like that was that's where the meaningful work really yeah. hit home. Then I was I I, I was uh, finishing off the degree and uh, I managed to get a bursary. I remember I got into addictions counselling as well. That was actually prior to the, okay. the the social development work. While I was doing psychology, I got into recovery. I then became an addictions counsellor for about four and a half years. Oh wow! I, I didn't know uh, that. Didn't you? No. Yeah, no, I worked at Kenilworth and Thuragay. Oh, my word. For, yeah, I worked but, with the late uh, Dion Wessels. Okay. And Pam no, I Goodman didn't know and, that at all. My word. Yeah. Oh, cool. And, and Flicky, who runs uh, one of the other addiction yeah. treatments. The one down now. the road. <laughs> down the road, yeah. Yeah. That's why I love yeah, doing no, these so. chats to people. I always, I always yeah. learn something about people that I never knew about. So there's the info that I didn't know. Okay. And did you enjoy that? I did, but I think uh, there were unresolved addiction issues on my side. Okay. And I don't think um, the two could work hand in hand. I I think I would have, I would have messed up down the line. Um, I also felt like I was a little bit just too young. Because okay. um, I was I was about twenty six, twenty seven okay. yeah. when when I was doing it, and working with twenty five calls um, at the <laughs> time was was not good for the spirit. <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't even deal with one call you had to deal with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. So so like when I was in that last year there, I I'll disclose that um, other parts of my addiction, my sex and love addiction was really uh, progressing uh, and yeah. getting me to a, a desperate sort of point. Um, and myself. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So there was a, there was a huge uh, internal conflict. Okay. And, and, and so there was a, a desperate desire for me to, to actually get out. There was a part of me that actually ran. And I went to go and apply for a bursary and I got into an honors program for Org Psych at UCT and I got a bursary. So I thought like, okay, let me leave and go and study again. And so that's when I went to go and study. And through the honors, I got asked to come and do and run those tutoring schools at Shawco. 
okay. uh, which was almost like an internship uh, initially, and then okay. it became a sort of managerial yeah. type of post later down down the line. And I think that I think that's when I got to know you, around about 2011, somewhere somewhere around there. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Kusoka definitely definitely rang a bell. I wanted to share the that that spiritual experience with you. So yes, I had this bursary. I had this bursary older, who basically um, used used to come and see me like every three months at the university while I was doing my honors. And um, you know, it was surprising because I found it incredibly stressful, and it was very anxiety driven. Um, me just taking on the studies, mm. and. Um, but I was passing. I was passing with like, I think I, I was averaging 68%, mm. getting 70s wow. here and there, whatever. You and uh, I, was, I was talking to her one day and she literally just looked at me and she said, you know what? I think you should go and apply for your master's. Mm. And I sat in my chair, I sat <laughs> back and I'm this, this and I'll watch my wording here. I'm the small, insignificant colored boy from Mitchell's Plain, who is a recovering drug addict who mm. got D's and E's in matric. Mm. And here, this bursary mentor is telling oh. me that, why don't you go and do your master's? Yeah. Oh. And I never thought that I was worthy, capable. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, all of the above. Hmm. And uh, I grabbed onto that encouragement and I just pushed, I, I pushed awesome. that, that little, that little bit of self-belief that another human being had in me. Yeah. I took That's it and I ran yeah. it there. Yeah. And I think uh, up until today, I still connect with her to oh, tell her thank you. <laughs> and did you yeah, then through, still... through them get a bursary to do your master's or how did that happen? Yeah. Oh, yeah, cool. they oh, told wow. me. They told me. They just told me if you finish your, if you finish your your honors with sixty five and more, um, we'll support you. And then wow. they followed on. Wow. So that's when I got to, and then I ended up at UWC doing a bridging course, which they also covered. And then I went to go and do my my actual masters at um, UWC. Okay. Not UWC, sorry, at Stellenbosch University. Oh wow! Okay. I got to experience all the universities in Cape Town. <laughs> so you can write the guide. <laughs> yeah. That was another one of those spiritual moments, Freddie, because like I sat in Stellenbosch University being um, lectured by some of South Africa's probably most esteemed and uh, reputable professors. Yeah. Uh, Kali Teron comes to mind who spoke stats like uh, poetry. <laughs> And I, remember, oh, I, still I, like, I have to meet him <laughs> because any, any further academic qualification, the minute I think of stats, I just kind of <laughs> going to go there. You are not. <laughs> so, so I have to meet this man who speaks stats like poetry. <laughs> no, he is actually, I think he retired about a year or two ago. Oh, wow. I think he still does some associate work at the okay. university. But I remember sitting in that man's class, listening to him, thinking to myself, I used to be this kid who used to sit in a room with curtains closed for three days, smoking heaven knows what. Mm. Wow. 
masturbating to pornography compulsively. Mm-hmm. And now I'm sitting in one of the top universities being lectured by one of the top professors. Yeah. And how did this boy get here? <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. It's really interesting that, that, that you're mentioning that because I'm, I'm planning on shooting a video after our, our chat. And yeah. one of the things that, 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 that I wrote down was that concept of we do recover. We can recover. Yeah. I don't know about you, but do you also have the feeling that if you can do it, then other people can do it as well? Yeah, I do. But what I'm, I'm always clear about is, is that it doesn't just come, you know. No, it, no, it, no, no. It, it, takes, it takes hard work. Absolutely. And I, yeah, I think there's a beauty in the hard work, though. I, mm. If I think about the, the early phases of my recovery, pushing that recovery, doing that service, going to meetings almost every day, that commitment, that dedication, that willingness definitely set me up. Yeah. for life to almost like take its natural um, sort of evolution again, mm. which wasn't possible during addiction. No. It just uh, the two are not, how can I say, they can't coexist basically. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah. you are now busy with an ENBA and you have a, a nine-month-old daughter. Yeah. <laughs> How? Let, 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 let's talk about parenthood, and and and, and let, let's connect parenthood with, with 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 life. And and what I'm actually trying to say is kind of talk talk to me about being a father in recovery, um, a business person, a salary earner, and a student, and a mm. husband. <laughs> I mean, really. <laughs> What? Yeah. <laughs> How do you do this? Yeah. Oh man, you know when you put it like that, it's like, um, like what are you doing? <laughs> but all is knowing you. I'm sure you're doing it all well as well. <laughs> well, I'm, 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 um, no, it's it's not as easy as what it seems. Um, and some people do sometimes hear me, see me. Um, see what I do, and then they're like, how are you holding it all together? Yeah. And um, something's got to give, and, and, and certain things I've had to sacrifice, unfortunately. So the parenthood thing. Yes. Um, for me, parenthood was incredibly scary. When uh, Alexandra Joy, we call her AJ, when she arrived, um, that was probably one of the happiest moments of my life, but also scary. Um, I, I haven't had um, the best upbringing. I was raised by two alcoholics, um, mm. experienced all the different types of abuses you can think of, um, and still have an active alcoholic father. Um, um, he was actually quite drunk one night and handled AJ in a sort of uh, just doing something that could have harmed her. And then uh, I quickly put up boundaries, which he didn't accept. And he told me it's, it's pretty normal. This is what we grew up with. And I told him, no, it's not normal. It was normal for you. It was normal yeah. for me, but it's not going to be normal for AJ. And, yeah, um, and so, 
that was incredibly tough. It still is. Look, I have a different sort of uh, role and uh, it's almost like I have a different purpose now in life. In, and, and one of that purposes is to protect AJ. And uh, not just physically, it's to protect her mentally, emotionally and spiritually as well. And it was my first crossroads into breaking the chain of abuse and dysfunction in my own family. Um, to to saying I'm going to curve a new path today uh, for me and for my daughter. So taking on that responsibility as well. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Look, I've, 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 I've got a very strong partner and I think as COVID has been, has it, has its challenges and and everything. It's also been an an incredible blessing for myself and father because we've managed to literally be with her for the whole first year. Yeah, almost. Mm. And so we've had the privilege of kind of really seeing her grow and Mm. develop almost on a daily basis. Um, And it's, it's getting strange looking at this human being who looks like me, who's getting a personality and, Oh, you know, Freddie, I, I, I actually thought when I was in addiction that I was going to die um, without being a dad. A mm-hmm. part of me didn't want to be a father because of, of the fear yeah. uh, of what I would do to kids. Yeah. And so I think, um, I think having this opportunity to be a dad has been probably the best thing that I've been blessed with in recovery. Awesome. Yeah, <laughs> it's beautiful. <laughs> Absolutely beautiful. Sure. Yeah. So, 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 talking you through the management of all of these things, um, there's a very um, important lesson that I've learned in my EMBA. Actually, um, I'll share again with you um, who the work is by, but it, it, it helps one to reflect on the three marriages of life the marriage to work, the marriage to the other, and the marriage to self. Ah. And um, having the studies, the work, the business, um, father, the AJ, um, and myself, um, the stuff that gave in was, was the marriage to self. So I stopped going to meetings. I stopped exercising. I stop praying to my higher power. Um, I stop being self-nurturing um, to myself, um, and so the marriage to work, and uh, which includes the studies, has taken almost like seventy, eighty percent of the yeah. time. Uh, the marriage to other, AJ got most of it, and the marriage to to father has has suffered to the point where where I literally saw my partner crying, telling me she's lonely, she's feeling Mm. distant and whatever. And I'm like, yeah, but you signed up for this. What about this? What, 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 you know, like, and it got so bad um, that I was actually starting to fear that I was repeating the same cycle with my previous uh, wife, ex-wife, and that I was becoming uh, emotionally, socially, intimately uh, sort of avoidant, um, 
just mm. because of the focus that the the work and the studies required. So now I'm I'm back in therapy in couples therapy again. Um, Ooh, I had fun. to get myself a full time nanny, um, <laughs> and with a full time nanny has given myself and father some space. Uh, and the couple therapy has now got us to commit to communicating and spending time with each other again. Uh, and so I'm, I'm trying to almost like, yeah, you know, I don't know if I spoke to you about this, this thing of balance. I don't know. Um, mm. But it's like getting back to the basics and yeah. learning that the marriage to self is actually the most important one. You can't pour from an empty cup, eh? No. <laughs> no. It's one of the most important lessons I've learned over the past few years. Is and we expect it. We we just we just expect it from ourselves because we we abused ourselves for so long in our lives that it's difficult to to connect with this whole self care thing. Is is what what, yeah. what what do I need? What do I need to do to be okay? We never asked ourselves those questions because it never it was never mm. important to us to be okay. Mm. And suddenly yeah, we have these responsibilities true. and we have to be okay. So, yeah, I get it. I woke up a few, two, three, four, four, three, four Wednesdays ago. I woke up that Wednesday morning and my soul just said to me, you cannot do today. And it wasn't, it, it wasn't a, depress, a depressive thought or whatever. It was just, you don't have the capacity to do this day. And I had an early morning client and I felt I cannot cancel this client at such short notice. But I saw that client and canceled all my other appointments and I got into bed at two o'clock in the afternoon and I woke up at five. Mm. <laughs> and obviously mm. my body took what it needed. It needed mm. to rest. And I was so damn proud of myself. Where previously I would have been so deeply ashamed of the fact mm. that I canceled clients to sleep. It's just, and the only thing that I could connect with was the pride that I knew. I, I, I just instinctively knew what my body needed, and I gave it to my body because that is so not me. <laughs> mm. Yeah. I so we you. become better at that stuff. Yeah. And I think it's about not feeling guilty about yeah. doing it. Either. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think like that. Yeah, that is, uh, that is probably a question that boggles me. It's like, why the guilt? Mm. Why do I actually feel guilty about looking after myself and yeah. giving myself this nurturing that I deserve? Totally so. That I, that I need. Yeah. They needs. And uh, I think that's where the woundedness comes in, you know, yes. is the thing of like, I'm not good enough. Mm. I, I'm not I worthy deserve. of being loved. Mm. Yeah. I don't deserve this. All those belief um, so, systems. Yeah. Because when I got to know you, you were quite an avid cyclist. Yes. And you spent <laughs> you spent weekends on on, on on your on your bicycle. I looked at you and said, Oh my god, how does this man do it? So are you squeezing some form of exercise into your, your daily routine at the moment? Um I'm not um, very um, consistent, unfortunately, uh, just because of everything that's yeah. happening. Um, but I'm, I'm learning now not to be too tough on myself. Yeah. So I'm trying to not eat unhealthily. Uh, and sometimes I don't get that right too. But what I do is I, I will go for a run on the prom with, with father. 
well, take a walk up the mountain. I'm fortunate now to be staying here in Friedhof, Devil's Peak Estate. Oh, lovely. Just walk up mm, what, a nice, what a nice area. Yeah. Mm. So, so I get the, I get the, the, the privilege to kind of walk cool. a little bit up the mountain here yeah, okay. with Friday now and then. We take AJ with us. Oh, lovely. So it's just just walks, yeah. and uh, myself and Farah both have mountain bikes still. Cool. So on the odd occasion, we kind of take a nice mountain like this week, and we're planning one. Cool. Uh, cool, cool. But it's not obsessive and whatever yeah. like it used to be. And, uh, you know, if really, like, I, I don't know if I can have that sort of up obsessiveness towards the, the fitness and activity like I used to. Your, your priorities have because, changed. <laughs> yeah, like it, it's fatherhood and it's also this yeah. thing of self-actualization, like me trying to push myself mm. a little bit uh, academically and like I can't do it all. Yeah. I can't. It's amazing when we ask ourselves a question. Um, a question that I ask myself is, what am I trying to prove to whom? <laughs> Kind of, you know, I don't, I don't have to become Arnold fucking Schwarzenegger. What COVID-19 and lockdown did for me was it, it introduced me to an online personal trainer. So yeah. I, I do exercise four times a week, about 45 minutes here in my office. I said to him, I say, if you ever told me that my counseling room, room was, becoming, was becoming a torture <laughs> chamber, <laughs> so we decided I'm going, I'm going to put the sign on my door that I can flick. It's either a torture chamber or a counseling room. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and the poor client who walks in here and sees the torture tor- torture chamber sign up, <laughs> oh, no, and I'm really really proud of myself for. Uh, but also again, the one thing that the personal trainer does for me is he's teaching me about easy does it about. Let, let, let's take a long look at this. So if you're tired one day, message me and say, I'm not going to exercise today. It's okay. If, if you want to eat that slice or two or three pieces of cake, then eat it. Give yourself permission to be tired, to not exercise. Give yourself permission to eat the thing. Of course, we, mm. we're not going to try and make you Arnold Schwarzenegger within a few months. Um, just, yeah. just, just, just let's get you healthy and moving um, on a regular basis. That's yeah. good enough. And the difference I'm feeling in my body, in my soul. And one thing that mm. I've done that I'm so proud of myself is I've added an extra session every second Saturday, which is a stretching session. So for 45 mm. minutes, I just stretch my body with this personal trainer. And oh my God, does it feel good. It is, mm. It's such an indulgence. <laughs> mm. And no, you know it what? It sounds like it. Yeah, and you know what? I deserve it. I, I, I am worthy of that 45 minutes of just absolutely doing that for myself. And I'm so grateful that I can, I can be in a space in my life where, where I can tell myself that I deserve it. Hmm. So I want to finish with the last question. And that is, did you ever do um, adult children of alcoholics engaged in that fellowship? No, not, not. yet. <laughs> okay. No, no, unfortunately not. Like, I, yeah, like, you know, the NA and the other stuff was just, it was too much. But what I did do for the adult child stuff was um, I, I went and I did that codependency ah. group thing with, um, with Cody for about two years, I think. Oh, wow. Awesome. Um, and that's the same uh, stuff and, will come up. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that worked for me. Yeah. Um, 
and just learning the concept of of codependency and what yes. my traits for codependency were and mm. um and then being a, trying to be aware of it at yeah. all times you know that, that that's amazing I, I ended up in coda as well because when i started my own practice i really struggled with the idea that the client's going to walk out here and i have no control over what's going to happen <laughs> <laughs> it freaked me the fuck out. So, um, so you know, I walked in codependence anonymous and I engaged with that process, did the steps for a year and, and I now have that acute awareness and I'm so grateful for yeah. it. it. It has truly yeah. changed my life, the, the, the way I engage with myself and with, with life. But Carl, I'm going mm. to, to call it quits there, but this was absolutely wonderful. I am so glad that I, that I eventually asked you, you when I started this podcast three years ago, you were on the initial list and I was, I, I don't know, I was always so, you know, I don't know what the English word is, I was scum. I, I was embarrassed mm. to, to, to ask you and the other night I thought, you know, my, my new philosophy is what do you have to lose? And I thought, you know, I've got nothing yeah. to lose to ask Cole. So here we go. And I'm so grateful I, 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 I asked you. It was a beautiful, beautiful chat. And, um, and I'm incredibly grateful that you took your time out of your busy life to entertain my hobby. And I'll let you know, when <laughs> you, because it is my hobby. This is the, the, I find it so interesting to have these conversations with, with people because we all yeah. have that, we all have that story. And, yeah. um, and your story is such a story of just hope. Wow. Now, as you said, it, mm. here's, the, here's this boy from Mitchell's Plain with a drug problem and he's busy with his EMBA after having completed, mm. completed another master's degree. So, um, so next mm. time I talk to you, I don't want to hear that you're busy with your PhD for God's sake. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't you, count on that. A part of me says when I, when I hit the 50s, it's coming. <laughs> you don't need a PhD. You know what? Wait until you're retired and, and, and do it just for fun. <laughs> yeah that will actually be a nice uh, thing yeah. to do to do it for fun yeah i'm mm. actually seriously contemplating it but every every time that that thought comes up the one the one word pops into my head statistics <laughs> <laughs> really you know all i can tell you about stats is they are amazing statisticians that you can hire nowadays <laughs> you just awesome. need to interpret it <laughs> <laughs> cool. I'll take that advice. Okay, pretty. Cool. Look after yourself. It was All awesome the best, Dave. See ya. Bye-bye. Pleasure. Bye-bye. I think this is the longest conversation I ever had with Carl. And I'm truly sorry about that. I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. I also really enjoyed hearing about his incredible and inspirational journey. I have no idea how he sustains the intensity of his life. I am incredibly grateful that he found the time to chat to us and wish him all of the best with his EMBA, fatherhood, his work, recovery and exercise. If you want to know more about what I do, please feel free to connect with me on my website, which is www.freddy.org.za or find me on Facebook at either Meet Me in the Field or Freddy Counselor or on Twitter at at Freddy or Instagram at Freddy Counselor. Remember that Freddy is always spelt with an I-E at the end. Thank you for listening. Be safe. Bye.